0: This is the free version of the Music History Today Weekly Edition podcast number 197. This week we go over the news and charts and we make the case for putting LL Cool J and Jay-Z into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. A couple pieces of podcast business to get out of the way before we begin. The first is that I am doing both free and paid subscription podcasts. As for the free podcasts that you will still find on whatever podcasting platform that you're listening to me on right now, Apple, Google, SoundCloud, CastBox, whichever, I will still be doing the daily Music History Today podcast, where I'll still go over the music history and birthdays for that particular date. Those podcasts will still be every day for the entire year and for years to come. I will also still be doing the weekly edition and the EDM podcasts for free. However, the free versions, like the one you're listening to me on right now, will only have the news, the charts, and the Hall of Fame segments. I'll explain why in about 30 seconds or so. There will also be a free Friday podcast that I will post every Friday, which will be a podcast highlight show where I take some segments from the past week's podcast along with giving you a preview of some upcoming podcasts. Now for the paid part. I now have OnlyFans and Patreon paid subscription pages. On the Patreon page, I have a couple of tiers at the moment. Tier 1 gives you the Music History Today daily podcast, the full versions of the weekly edition podcast, and the full version of the EDM podcast, which will both have the news, the charts, the Hall of Fame, the music reviews, the topic segments, in other words, the usual podcasts that you were getting before for free. I will also be adding a minimum of four extra podcasts per month on this particular tier, being tier one. Those podcasts on this tier will be the top albums podcast, the top singles podcast, and the top dance songs podcast with each of those podcasts dropping one episode per month. The Music Halls of Fame podcast, which used to be free and weekly, will now be moving to this tier and will be a monthly podcast. Tier 1 will cost $5 per month. There may also be another special podcast added for that tier. It depends on the month, just to even things out. But... Those four podcasts that I just mentioned are guaranteed each month. That's a minimum of 10 podcasts a week, with two podcasts dropping every Monday through Wednesday, one of those podcasts, of course, being the daily one. For Tier 2, you will get the Music History Today daily podcast, the full versions of the weekly edition and the EDM podcast, along with all of the other paid podcasts From tier one, along with a minimum of at least four additional podcasts per month for this tier only. Tier two is $10 per month, and it will actually be five podcasts per month. The additional podcasts on this tier are the Top Dance Songs by Decade podcast, the Award Show History podcast, Nandi Music and Concert Venues Podcast. I am also adding another monthly podcast to this tier called the Music's WTF Moments Podcast, where I look at some of the controversial, sad, and strange moments in music history. Each of those four podcasts will drop one episode per month. The Music History Today In-Depth Podcast will no longer be part of the free lineup, it will be a paid podcast on this particular tier but it will still be a weekly podcast much like tier 1 it all depends on the month but those 5 podcasts are guaranteed each month for tier 2 only that's a minimum of 12 podcasts a week with 2 podcasts dropping every Monday through Friday most weeks and that tier again is $10 per month. As far as the OnlyFans page goes, that is a $10 per month subscription, which will have all of the podcasts that I just mentioned because it is fashioned after the Tier 2 podcasts. So, if you have enjoyed my podcasts or you find value in the time and effort that I put into making them, then I hope that you will consider joining my Patreon or OnlyFans pages. I will post the links to all of that in the show notes. Now then, on to the news. The nominees list for artists under consideration for induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame were announced this past week. We will dive into that in our Hall of Fame segment, which is right after this one. The Super Bowl was played last week. Musically, the day started off with Miley Cyrus hosting a televised tailgate concert with Billy Idol and Joan Jett doing cameo performances. Both Joan and Billy were actually on Miley's latest album, Plastic Hearts. Jasmine Sullivan and Eric Church performed the national anthem. Her performed America the Beautiful, and The Weeknd performed the halftime show, which became a popular gif with part of his performance. The weekend sales, by the way, shot up 385% and his streams, shot up 41% because of his performance, and now you know why every artist wants to do the halftime show, because you make big money doing it. The other big TV event this past week was the premiere of the documentary Framing Britney Spears on Hulu which chronicles her mental health issues and control of her fortune by her father, among other parts of her career. One direct result from the documentary was that Justin Timberlake finally, after well over a decade and a half, apologized publicly to both Brittany and Janet Jackson. Justin's direct and indirect involvement in both ladies' careers being derailed in the 2000s was portrayed in the documentary and led to backlash against him online, which led to his mea culpa long after the fact. The UK government debated the visa-free travel proposal for musicians and other artists last week. Tory minister for culture digital and culture I should say in the department of digital culture and media Caroline Diniage, according to her she said that quote the UK pushed for ambitious arrangements and then said that quite simply the EU rejected this and there was no counter offer Then, after saying that the EU proposals were part of a package deal for visa-free travel for all EU members across a wide range of industries, Diniage said that, quote, It's just simply not consistent with the manifesto commitment to take back control of our borders. And it wasn't consistent with the idea of Brexit that the majority of people in this country voted for, end quote. All of this, of course, went over in the music industry like a ton of bricks, as the UK government seemed to say that putting drastic increases, prices-wise, on bands wanting to tour Europe was a way to keep illegal immigration down, which really, it isn't an immigration issue. It's a culture issue as U.K. music brings in far more money into the U.K. economy than a lot of other industries that the Tories fought for during the Brexit negotiations. Featured Artist Coalition CEO David Martin released a statement that read, in part, Are we really at the point of claiming that a functioning and thriving music industry in the U.K. is at odds with leaving the E.U.? If so, that's a staggering admission. Artists, songwriters, producers, managers, musicians, crews, festivals, venues, promoters, labels in the UK, plus countless others employed and engaged across our industry are simply not going to lie down on this issue. Government would be sensible to recognize that this matter will not go away and that we will not be quiet. Beyond the enormous financial contribution of our industry, 12 times more added to the UK economy than in GVA than fishing in 2019. By the way, the UK government really held firm on fishing and fought hard for fishing, which was the last holdup concerning Brexit before it finally went through. They could have done that for music, but I digress. Our status, global recognition, and well-being are reliant on the U.K.'s music industry and the social value that it is responsible for is immeasurable. It is ingrained in our DNA. Martin also added that the music industry would continue to engage with the government to find short-term solutions to the myriad of problems caused by the U.K.'s current regulatory position – saying that it is not enough to simply say the door is open for the EU to return to the negotiating table. The UK government must be proactive in engaging European counterparts both at EU and at individual member state level. The current levels of frustration seen across the industry and in the public will only grow if the government remains passive and does not actively pursue credible and realistic solutions, end quote. That's a nice way of saying get your act together really fast or we will make your lives hell. Meanwhile, while England's screwing up the music industry, American music activists are pressuring Congress to add the HITS Act into the new COVID relief bill as it was dropped out of the last bill in 2020. You may remember that bill. It was a while ago. HITS, which stands for Help Independent Tracks Succeed, is an act that allows independent artists to deduct 100% of their costs for production and studio time during the making of their albums, much like the movie industry enjoys when it makes its movies. According to a new study, the U.S. economy earns 50 cents for every dollar that's earned by the music industry in America. The Songwriters Hall of Fame Induction Ceremony has been pushed back to 2021. The Latin American Music Awards will now be held on April 15th. Taylor Swift has started releasing re-recorded songs and albums. The first song out is Love Story, just in time for Valentine's Day, which just happened. Meanwhile, the album that the song came from, Fearless, is the first re-recorded album that she will drop sometime in the next couple weeks. The Biden administration is reviewing the Trump ban on TikTok, putting the sale of the app on hold for the time being. Meanwhile, TikTok is coming under fire from activists who say that six months after they pointed out... That TikTok's algorithms suppress people of color, and after TikTok promised to fix it, TikTok still hasn't, and is still suppressing content by people of color. SoundCloud is going to let artists get paid by their fans directly, much like OnlyFans or Patreon. Rapper CJ signed a global administration deal with Warner Chappell. Emmylou Harris signed a global administration deal with Sheltered Music. The group Massive Attack sold their catalog to Round Hill Music. Sony ATV will now be called Sony Music Publishing. Meanwhile, country music icon Dwight Yoakam is suing Warner Music Group in order to regain control of his earlier records. All of this is a nice way of saying people are beginning to realize just how much money their music is worth. Lady Gaga's former manager and Q&A founder and CEO, Troy Carter, has been added to SoundCloud's board of directors. Folk singer Angelo Kelly of the Kelly family has been fined by the German government for violating Germany's child labor laws, after he brought his four-year-old on stage to perform with him during a concert. Okay, really? That's, wow, Germany, that, that's taking it to the extreme. That's just ridiculous. Anyway, Rihanna is pausing her Fenty fashion line as COVID has taken a toll on the fashion industry. No word as of yet as to when she will Resume doing the fashion line. This, however, does not affect her beauty and makeup lines. Ricky Martin is lending his star power to help get a memorial and musician or musician museum built for the 49 Pulse nightclub shooting victims. The mass shooting took place in Orlando, Florida, at the nightclub in 2016 in a hate attack. Garth Brooks and Tricia Yearwood are in quarantine because of possible COVID exposure. This marks the second time that they have had to do that. The fallout from the Marilyn Manson abuse accusations continued as another ex-girlfriend, Game of Thrones actress Esme Bianco, made damaging accusations against him. Morgan Whalen, in the meantime, released an apology video last week where he admitted that his behavior has been due to his drinking and that he has been sober for a couple of weeks now. He also told people to not defend his actions or make excuses for them. He owns them, which is nice. It's all about second chances, or in his case, sixth Meanwhile, Diplo apologized for playing a Morgan Whalen song during a DJ set that he did for a Super Bowl after party, taking cancel culture to a whole other level. That's ridiculous. Anyway, no need to apologize. It's a song. There are some passings to pass along this week, and two of them are rather large. First off, rest in peace to Mary Wilson. Mary was one of the singers of the legendary Motown group, The Supremes. Led by Diana Ross, The Supremes had huge hits that have become lexicons of music and pop culture, like You Can't Hurry Love, Baby Love, and You Keep Me Hanging On, all songs that have been covered by multiple music artists over the decades, including Phil Collins and um, Kim Wilde, actually. The Supremes were, until the Spice Girls in the 1990s, the most successful girl group of all time, and still rank in the top three. The Supremes ended almost 50 years ago with some really harsh feelings, as you would expect. If you've ever seen the movie or musical Dreamgirls, then you have a good idea about the Supremes' career and how it all ended, as they were loosely based on Mary Wilson's autobiography about her time in the group. Mary passed away from hypertensive cardiovascular disease. Mary Wilson was 76 years old. Rest in peace to Cervanto Cano Rodriguez. Cervanto was the founder of the Mexican company Circa Artistic Representatives, who would also become Circa Music, one of the leading labels in regional Mexican music. Cervanto passed away from a heart attack. Cervanto Cano Rodriguez was 78 years old. Rest in peace to the legendary Chick Corea. Chick was a groundbreaking pianist who helped usher in the jazz fusion era by working with Miles Davis on the classic jazz album Bitches Brew before doing his own projects. Chick passed away from cancer. Chick Corea was 79 years old. Rest in peace to Rupert Neve. The vast majority of people have no idea who Rupert was, but if you have listened to anything audio, you have definitely benefited from his work. Rupert was an audio engineer and inventor, beginning with his first company that he created called CQ, then moving on to his next company, Neve Electronics, Rupert created and perfected mixing consoles, EQ mic amps, hi fi speakers, and invented the first moving fader system. Rupert's cause of death was not announced, but Rupert Neve was 94 years old. And, rest in peace to Milford Graves. Milford was a free jazz drummer who played with artists like Albert Ayler and Lou Reed, Milford passed away from congestive heart failure. Milford Graves was 79 years old. As mentioned before, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame announced its list of 16 nominees for consideration for induction into the hall this year. The nominees this year are Mary J. Blige, Kate Bush, Devo, Foo Fighters, The Go-Go's, Iron Maiden, Jay-Z, Shaka Khan, Carol King, Fela Kuti, LL Cool J., The New York Dolls, Rage Against the Machine, Todd Rundgren, Tina Turner, and Dionne Warwick. At first glance, this is a very strong list. Most of the artists are ones who I have made the case for induction for before and will again. Seven of the artists are women, which is great to see, finally. Three of the artists are already in the hall as part of other groups or duos. Carol King, for instance, is in as a songwriter. Tina Turner is in as part of Ike and Tina Turner. And Dave Grohl of the Foo Fighters is already in as a member of Nirvana. Both Jay-Z and the Foo Fighters made it in during their first year of eligibility. So congratulations to them. Some artists who have been nominated more than a few times are, for instance, LL Cool J, who's up for his fifth time. Shaka Khan is up for her third nomination as a solo artist. She was actually up four times already before as a member of Rufus when they were nominated. And most of the others on this list have been on this list before as well. Some of the nominees are completely good shocks. For instance, Mary J. Blige, who just came completely out of the blue to make this list. Same with Dionne Warwick, who is suddenly everybody's favorite Twitter follow. Unless you're really into world music, then you have no clue, no idea or clue who Fela Kuti is. So that one kind of shocked me just as much as it shocked the rest of the world, truth be told. Every year, the Rock Hall has a fan vote, which normally goes a long way to determining who gets into the hall. You can, of course, as always, go to rockhall.com to vote. You can vote once a day for five artists. I will let you know that while I am spreading out my votes between all of the artists, I am definitely voting more than a few times for the ones that I really want to see get inducted this year. The way it usually works is this. I say usually. The winner of the fan vote gets in. It has worked out that way almost every year since they started the fan vote. In fact, with the exception of four times since they started the fan vote, the top three vote getters were inducted into the hall those years. Last year, though... They completely flipped that. Because fan favorites and overall voting number one, Dave Matthews Band, and overall voting number two, Pat Benatar, both did not get in. Even though they were top three in vote getting. But the Notorious B.I.G. and T-Rex both got in. Even though they were way down in the bottom third of voting for last year, at least the fan vote. Now, every week for the next eight weeks, we're going to make the case for you to vote for two different artists. We're going to start this week by getting the rap guys out of the way. Now, we are not going to rehash the argument yet again about whether rap belongs in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The people who didn't think that it did lost that argument a long time ago so just keep the argument moving let us simply get into why this year's hip hop entries belong in there and let's start off with Mr. James Todd Smith better known as LL Cool J for starters LL is one of the first rappers to gain mainstream success. He was the first rap act to perform on American Bandstand. He also helped to pioneer the rap rock sound, along with Run DMC. Before then, rap was mainly dance music, usually disco, with words attached. Think Rapper's Delight by the Sugar Hill Gang. LL's been in the game since 1985 when the album Radio came out. He's had a slew of hits, including the first popular slow jam rap, I Need Love, plus his breakthrough acoustic performance of Mama Said Knock You Out on MTV Unplugged. Radio, along with Run DMC's Raising Hell and the Beastie Boys' License to Ill, helped establish the 80s hip-hop culture with the hard rap rock beat sound. L.L. was included on the Halls list a few years back, but he never made the final cut. With his now kid-friendly stature as an actor on NCIS in Los Angeles and host of Lip Sync Battle, maybe those will actually help him. I will state, though, that unfortunately, despite my efforts in the past and even now, he probably won't get in this year. And that's because there's another rapper who became eligible for entry this year, and we're going to talk about him in a minute. And that man is Jay-Z. Now, we know that the Hall has problems putting in one rap act, let alone two, so don't expect to see LL make this year's cut. However on the slim chance that they do put two rap artists into the hall, and that's a really slim chance. I'm still making the case, and I will still say, that LL Cool J deserves to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year. Meanwhile, Mr. Sean Carter's chances of induction are drastically much, much better. You of course know him better as Jay Z. So let us go to the tail of the tape first. Let's just stick strictly with the music for the moment. He holds the record for the most number one albums by a solo artist with 14. He sold over 100 million copies worldwide. Has won 22 Grammy awards, and according to Rolling Stone magazine, he is one of the top 100 greatest artists. Of all time. Okay, so normally that would get someone in. But then you have to consider his worldwide business and cultural impact. The guy's simply put, he's considered a cultural icon. Plus, you know, Beyonce. He married her. They're a power couple. What can I tell you? Does Jay-Z deserve to get in? Yes, 100%, absolutely, no doubt. When you look at the list of artists who were inducted this past year, it does look like the Hall voters might be beginning to crack when it comes to acts that they would have never considered before. So maybe they'll regularly consider hip-hop artists as well. Maybe. I'm not sure I'd bet on that, though. They should, however, definitely put Jay-Z in this year, though. In fact, if it comes down to letting either LL or Jay-Z in, and not the both of them, Jay-Z will definitely get in first. He is one of my locks to get in this year, along with one of the artists who we'll talk about next week, the Foo Fighters. Why? Well, it's simple, really. Because it has worked out lately that artists who make the list for consideration in their first year of eligibility usually get in that same year. Both Jay-Z and the Foo Fighters are first year nominees, so they're more than likely to get in. Remember, go to rockhall.com to vote for who you think should get in. You can vote once a day, Supposedly, your vote still does count towards the final tally At as it is one quarter, they say. That didn't work last year, but they do say that it is one quarter of the total vote that they consider. Next week, we're going to look at two other artists who are on the nominations list, the aforementioned Foo Fighters and Rage Against the Machine. Time for the charts for the week, starting with Billboard magazine as always. Top album for another week, Morgan Whalen's Dangerous, the double album, also happens to be the top sales album and the top current sales album. Olivia Rodrigo's Driver's License spends another week at number one on the singles chart. Morgan Whalen is the top artist. BTS is the top social media artist. Top streaming song is Olivia Rodrigo's Driver's License. Top digital sales song is MAGA rapper Tom McDonald with Fake Woke. Top catalog album sales is Queens' greatest hits. Top independent album is Bad Bunny's El Ultimo Tour del Mundo. And top vinyl album is Metallica, with a reissue of Ride the Lightning. Top pop song is Ariana Grande, who replaces her long charting number one positions with 34 plus 35. Top Adult Contemporary Song is The Weeknd's Blinding Lights Top Adult Pop Song. Back at number one, Ava Max's Kings and Queens. On the country charts, Morgan Whalen's Dangerous the Double Album is the Top Country Song. His song, Wasted on You, is the Top Country Streaming Song and the Top Country Digital Sales Song. But Luke Combs has the number one country song. With Better Together. On the rock charts, 24 Karat Golden and Ian Dior's Mood spends another week at number one for the top rock song. Top rock album for another week is Machine Gun Kelly's Tickets to My Downfall. For another week, top rock streaming song is Machine Gun Kelly and Black Bear's My Ex's Best Friend. Top Rock Digital Sales Song is AJR's Bang, Top Hard Rock Album is Queens' Greatest Hits, Top Hard Rock Song and Hard Rock Digital Sales Song is Papa Roach and Jairus Johnson with Last Resort Reloaded. Top Hard Rock Streaming Song, though, is Queens' Bohemian Rhapsody. On the alternative charts, 24 Karat Golden and Ian Dior's Mood is the top alternative song and the top alternative streaming song. It also happens to be the top rap song and the top rap streaming song. Back to alternative, top alternative digital sales song is AJR's Bang and top alternative album is Taylor Swift's Evermore. Top rap album is Lil Durk's The Voice. Top rap digital sales song is MAGA rapper Tom McDonald with Fake Woke. Top R&B song for another week is The Weeknd's Blinding Lights, while his album After Hours is the top R&B album for another week. Top R&B streaming song is SZA's Good Days, and top R&B digital sales song is The Weeknd's Blinding Lights. Globally, with or without the U.S.'s numbers, Olivia Rodrigo's Driver's License is the number one song in the world. On the Latin charts, top Latin song and top Latin streaming song is Bad Bunny and Jay Cortez's Daki Top Latin album is Bad Bunny's El Ultimo Tour del Mundo, And top Latin digital sales song is Selena Gomez and Raul Alejandro with Baila Conmigo. Top Latin pop album for yet another week is Selena's Ones. In Canada, top Canadian song and top Canadian digital sales song is Olivia Rodrigo's Driver's License. Top Canadian album is Morgan Whalen's Dangerous The Double Album. Top K-pop song in South Korea is IU with Celebrity. Top UK song is Olivia Rodrigo's Driver's License. Top UK album is Celeste with Not Your Muse. And top UK digital sales song and Euro digital sales song is Nathan Evans' Wellerman. As always, the EDM charts are found on the EDM podcast that drops every Friday or every Tuesday, I should say, at 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 4 a.m. in Chicago, 2 a.m. in L.A., 10 a.m. in London, 11 a.m. in Paris, high noon in Moscow every Tuesday. On the Apple charts, top Apple album is The Pretty Reckless with Death by Rock and Roll, top single, Taylor Swift's Love Story, Taylor's version. On Spotify, top global American and U.K. streaming song is Olivia Rodrigo's driver's license for yet another week. Also, for the record, that happens to be YouTube U.K.'s top song. YouTube America's top song, though, and YouTube America's top music video is Cardi B.'s new one called Up!, in the UK, while the top song is owned by Olivia Rodrigo, the top music video is D's Bringing It Back. And as far as the YouTube global charts go, it's all about Bollywood and India. Top song is for another week... Ranuka, Panwar, and MJ with 52 Gajka Daman. Meanwhile, top music video is also from India. It is Nora Fatechi and Ihan Bhatt with Khor Deng. Say that five times fast. Onward. Hitsdailydouble.com. Top album, Morgan Wallen's Dangerous, The double album for another week. Top song revenue in Great Britain since it's a British chart. Olivia Rodrigo's driver's license with a $167,704 US weekly sales revenue of $11,550 on 12,700 units sold and streaming revenue of $156,155 on 28000000 61,000 streams. Again, just for the record, you only make six tenths of a penny per stream by your music. By comparison, last week Olivia Rodrigo's driver's license made 223,073 US dollars, so she continues to decrease. On Shazam, top U.S. single is The Weeknd and Daft Punk's Starboy. Top U.K. single is Olivia Rodrigo's Driver's License. BBC One Radio's top single is Eric Pritz's Nopus, N-O-P-U-S. BBC Two Radio's top single is Harry Styles' Treat People with Kindness for another week. Rolling Stone, Everything Old is New Again. Top song, Olivia Rodrigo's Driver's License, 17.2 million streams. Top album, Morgan Whalen's Dangerous, the double album. Top streamed artist, Morgan Whalen with 113.1 million streams. Top trending song, Lil Durk and Lil Baby with Finesse Out the Gangway. And last month's top breakthrough artist, Olivia Rodrigo. This week, you will get new albums from, among others, Getz, Julia Stone, Mogwai, S.G. Lewis, The Fall, and The Hold Steady. And that is it for Music History Today, the weekly edition podcast number 197, creeping towards 200. Thanks for listening. Audio engineering and editing, video editing, writing, narration, catering, basically everything is done by yours truly. You can find us on our website at cjbtproductions.com. Our podcast is on all of your favorite podcast providers, such as Apple Music, Google Podcasts, CastBox, etc., etc., Look for them all under Music History Today when you search for us there. If you would like to support this podcast, our paid OnlyFans can be found at OnlyFans.com backslash Music History Today, and our Patreon can be found at Patreon.com backslash Music History Today. We are also on Twitter at Music History Day And you can find us on YouTube and Spotify. Just search for us under Music History Today. Thanks for listening.